The audio that you're listening to is recorded for New Found Faith Christian Ministries at newfoundfaith.org. If you have not done so already, be sure to go to newfoundfaith.org and subscribe for email notifications so that you don't miss a post. You can also watch videos and subscribe on YouTube as well. Just search for New Found Faith. Thanks again for listening and be sure to share what you listen to today with all of those that are around you. This week's Sunday School Lesson, Lesson Number One in the Spring Quarter, Jesus' Baptism. This week's lesson is being taught from the first chapter of Mark, starting at the fourth verse and going through the thirteenth verse. This week's lesson is the first lesson of the Spring Quarter. And our spring quarter of Sunday school lessons are going to be taking a look at lessons that will be up under the subject, Jesus pleases his father. You have to remember again that God gave the world his only begotten son to carry out a work, a work of reconciliation, as we have learned uh, recently in the winter quarter of our Sunday school lessons. Now, the first unit of lessons for this quarter, the lessons, the three lessons are up under the title by his works. Okay, so we're going to be taking a look at three lessons that are going to be taking a look at the works of Christ, the works of the Lord through Christ as well. Our first lesson here for this quarter, our lesson today, is going to be taking a look at the baptism of Jesus. So we're going to be seeing Jesus come to John the Baptist to be baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. So our lesson today, coming from the first chapter of Mark, we're starting here in the fourth verse. We'll see here in the fourth verse where John speaks of John, says John, and it's talking about John the Baptist, not the disciple John. We're told there John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance. A baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Does that sound familiar to you? That should. It should sound familiar to you. Something that I said a, a few weeks ago at church is that no matter the subject that I can preach about, okay, um, the sermon is always going to essentially come back around to us needing to have faith one way or the other. Uh, No matter what we preach, no matter what we minister, okay, uh, it is always going to be about God. It is always going to to come back to the need for one to, to trust in him. To repent is to turn away from a way, a way of wickedness, a way that is uh, not obedient to the way of God, and to lean on him, to depend on him, and to trust in him. John the Baptist was preaching this message to a people who had not heard that message for a very long time. Uh, the, The time period between the New Testament and the Old Testament was 400 years. And something that is said about John the Baptist that not many of us ever really take into consideration is that John the Baptist is essentially the last of the Old Testament prophets. And the reason why we don't really think of that is because John the Baptist is written of in the New Testament, right? Uh, We see him in Matthew's gospel. We see him in Mark and in Luke, right? Uh, We see him in John's gospel as well. But John, he's essentially the last prophet before Jesus Christ. So he's essentially uh, the last of the Old Testament prophets. And John the Baptist 
he was the forerunner for Christ, which is somewhat, again, poetic if you think about this. If you can remember this, the first lesson that we had in the winter quarter of our Sunday school lessons was about the forerunner of the Messiah. The Messiah, of course, being Jesus Christ, the forerunner being John the Baptist. We took a look at the announcement of John the Baptist's birth, uh, his coming anyway, uh, to Zacharias, right? I don't know if you remember that, but again, if you do, you will see the poetry of us taking a look at John the Baptist now here in our first lesson for the spring quarter. John the Baptist, again, preaching in the wilderness, uh, preaching this a message, this baptism of repentance. It is a fulfilling of prophecy that we find uh, in the 40th chapter of Isaiah in the third verse, where the prophecy was about the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. And here John is. We, we're told there in again in the fourth verse that John came baptizing in the wilderness. He did not baptize. He was not preaching repentance in the city of Jerusalem. And it was a good thing that he didn't do that because had John the Baptist uh, been in Jerusalem preaching this message, uh, the coming of, of one, uh, as we'll see there in the fifth verse, the coming of one who was mightier than he was, who would baptize uh, in the Holy Spirit. I, I think I said the fifth verse, but that's actually down uh, in the seventh and in the eighth verse there. But had John been preaching that message in Jerusalem, the religious leaders they would have drowned it out. They would have killed that message. They would have did so uh, right away. Again, we, we have to, if we put ourselves in that time period, again, thinking about the 400 years between the Testaments, during those 400 years, the Lord had went silent. There were no prophets. There was no word from the Lord. The only thing that the people had were those religious leaders who by the point in time we see John the Baptist and we see Jesus come on the scene and we see Jesus speaking to the religious leaders about the law, we know that the law had been bent and it had been twisted out of shape. This again, all of this is coming on at, at the, the end of the fact that the southern kingdom, Judea or Judah, had been conquered by the Babylonians and those who are in Jerusalem had been carried away to Babylon. For an extended period of time. And then they were they they returned from their exile to Babylon, to Jerusalem, where at one point in time, under the leadership of Ezra and under the leadership of Nehemiah, where they did get back into the word of God. There was an attempt for the people to get back into the word of God. But again, by the time we get to John the Baptist and by the time we get to Jesus, we saw that the law had been bent and that it was twisted out of shape so that. When John comes on the scene with this word from God, it was almost, I wouldn't say that it was brand new because I do believe that there were people at that point in time who still were of faith. I would say that it was refreshing for them because they were not getting this word from the religious leaders. The religious leaders, they were hung up on tradition. They were hung up on the way that they had bent the law and how they had molded the law into their shape. So John, again, he had to go out into the wilderness. He needed to be out into the wilderness so that those who desired to to hear that message could hear it without the religious leaders pressing down on John the Baptist and, and pressing down on them as well. And again, the message that John was preaching was a message of repentance, a, a call for people to turn away from their wickedness and to turn to the Lord. And again, 
we'll see here in the fifth verse that there were many people who were receiving this message. We're told there in the fifth verse that all the land of Judea and even those from Jerusalem, that they heard the message and they went out to John the Baptist to be baptized by him in the Jordan River and they confessed their sins. So they were repenting. Again, if, if we think about what repentance is, we will think about what the what St. John, the Apostle John, wrote in his first epistle, the first chapter of it in the ninth verse. John said that we needed to repent. And in order to repent, he said that we must confess our sins. And if we were to confess our sins to the Lord, that he is faithful and just to to cleanse us of our unrighteousness, right? Our trespasses the, the, that we, we commit against him. That is repentance. And so that message was getting out there from John the Baptist. John, he was he was very popular. Okay, that that again is made very clear to us there in the fifth verse, because we're told all the land of Judea. So, again, the southern kingdom, even though it wasn't called that at that point in time, there were no divided kingdom uh, by this point in time because the northern kingdom had been destroyed by Assyria. So by this point in time, it was just the Jews, really. And, and again, there was another tribe there, but uh, the tribe of Benjamin not e is not even referenced in uh, the New Testament in, in the Levites. There were still some of them uh, that were around as well that were of the tribe of Levi. But again, it was by that point in time, it was just the Jews primarily uh, that, that was around. Uh, that was the remainder of the, the, the southern kingdom. But again, we're told that all of Judea, not just Jerusalem, there were some who were in Jerusalem that did go out to see John the Baptist. There is scripture that backs up the popularity of John. Okay. Uh, if, if we were to take a look at the, the first chapter of John's gospel and you take a look at the 19th through the 28th verse, you can see the popularity of John, that it had reached the ears of the religious leaders. Even though he wasn't preaching in Jerusalem, even though he was out in the wilderness near the Jordan River, word did eventually reach the religious leaders ears and they had to send out to John the Baptist. They sent out priests and they sent out Levites, we're told. And they sent them out to John the Baptist to see what it was that he was up to. And we find that they were questioning who John was. They was trying to see if he was uh, that prophet or, or whether or not he was, uh, you know, like Elijah. You know, they, they, they were trying to figure out who John the Baptist was because he was indeed that popular. And again, something that I always speak about when I talk about the religious leaders at that point in time is that their main concern was not what it was supposed to be. Their main concern should have been for the people. Because again, as, as we learned in our lessons last quarter, uh, the, the priests were supposed to work on behalf of the people in service of the Lord. So they, again, the, the priests should have been concerned about the people, the religious leaders, they were calling themselves that they should have been concerned for the people and they should have been preaching to them uh, the same message that John the Baptist was actually preaching uh, to them as well. But their main concern was not that. Their main concern was power. That was really their main concern. And so they sent priests and Levites out to John the Baptist to essentially question who gave him the authority to speak the, the word that he was, was speaking. But again, John the Baptist, he was very popular and something that I love Mark doing here, uh, what we'll see here in the sixth verse is that he makes it clear that 
Jim wasn't some famous person by his looks or by what he was wearing. They The people weren't coming out to John the Baptist for that reason. We're told there in the sixth verse that, that John was clothed with camel's hair and that he wore a leather belt around the waist. So he wasn't wearing uh, any fancy clothes. Uh, we were told that he ate locust and, and wild honey. He he didn't eat fancy things. And, and and I feel like Mark was making a comparison there, even though we, we don't see it. I believe that he was making a comparison to the religious leaders, even though Mark doesn't state it. I believe that's what was happening. I believe that's why he points out what John the Baptist was dressed like and, and what he was eating. He He wanted people to understand, those who would read his gospel, that there wasn't really anything that special about John. In fact, the way Mark writes about John there, about what he was wearing, about what he was eating, would make John out to be an odd fellow. It would make him out to be an odd person. Okay. Yeah, it would almost seem like John would be the last person that you would actually want to go out and to see. But again, people were going out to him in droves to, to see him to hear his message and, and to then uh, be baptized by him. And I think that in that, there's a lesson for all of us today who preach and all of us who teach, because it is easy for us to get swept up in seeing what other preachers and what other teachers are doing, see how they dress or to see the building that they may be teaching out of or preaching out of. It is easy for us to get swept up and caught up in thinking that, you know, people aren't aren't listening to us because we may we may not be wearing uh, a fancy suit or we may not be driving a nice car. We may not uh, be in a big building to worship in. We may not be in a nice building uh, to worship in because, you know, to some it those things matter. You know, if there if, if there's a nice building or a nice big building to worship in, they'll go to church there. Uh, for for the singing. If there's a nice choir, they'll go there to hear the singing. If there's praying that they love to hear, they'll go there to hear the praying. Whereas we, for example, my church, right? We 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 worship in a small room. It's not many of us, uh, but we have a wonderful time, right? But but that's not for everybody for whatever reason. You no, know, they have to go. It has to be. They have to go in and hear a, a T.D. Jakes. And I'm not getting on you, T.D. Jakes. They they have to go and hear a famous preacher or, you know, people are like that. But again, we can't be caught up. We can't be swept up in that. What we must focus on as teachers and as preachers is the word of God and, and ministering the word of God, because the word of God, as we see here with John the Baptist, it is able to draw people in. The people, they weren't going to, to see John or hear from John or be baptized by John because of what he was wearing. OK, they were going for the word. And again, if you are a teacher of the gospel, if you're a preacher of the gospel, OK, just do that. Minister the word because the word is able to it is able to save and it is able uh, to draw people in. OK. And again, if you are someone who desires the word, don't be caught up on in, in what some building looks like or don't be hung up on whether or not the preacher is dressed nicely. If the preacher is driving a nice car, don't don't be swept up on if the preacher is popular or not. Just go for the word.
They go for the word of God. I, I preached a sermon recently about living by the word. And if you did not listen to that sermon, if you did not watch that sermon or read that sermon, I invite you go, go listen, go read it, go watch it. Okay. Uh, we, we, we should live by that. All right. We can't be caught up on, on worldly thought. And that's something that happens uh, to, to many of us who again, teach or preach. We get caught up on worldly thoughts. We get caught up on how many people are coming to our website if we have one, or how many people are coming and watching our YouTube if we have one, or how many people are, are coming to, to worship. We, we get hung up on those things when the fact of the matter that our focus should be the word of God and making sure that we are delivering sound doctrine to those who do come to listen or those who do uh, come to read uh, from our website or to watch our YouTube videos. That should be our primary focus. Okay. And so again, we'll see there that that was John's focus there. When we take a look at the, the seven verse, what was the message that John uh, preached? He preached that uh, there comes one after me who is mightier than I speaking again about Christ whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he, again, speaking about Christ, John the Baptist said, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's what John focused on. John, I don't think he was concerned about what he was wearing. So long as he had clothes to wear, that was all that he needed. And again, I think that that is a lesson for us today. So many of us, again, get hung up on on worldly thought where we get more hung up on on how we are dressed, what we are wearing, rather than being focused on the message that we are sharing with all of those that are around us. Okay, all right. So now we get to the point of where we're getting into the meat of our Sunday school lesson. Our lesson, again, is about the baptism of Jesus. And when we get here to the ninth verse, we'll see there in the ninth verse that time passed and it says it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, Mark doesn't really go into the detail that we can find about the baptism of Jesus elsewhere in uh, the Gospels. When, when Jesus came to John the Baptist, we are told that John was actually both excited and humble. Anytime John saw Jesus, he was excited. For example, if you take a look at uh, the first chapter of John's gospel and you look at the 29th verse, you'll see where John was excited to see Jesus. And he would say, behold, he exclaimed, he said, the Lamb of God who takes away sin. He was, uh, I, I can just picture how excited, because again, we, we have to take into consideration that John was the forerunner of Jesus and, and he was preaching about him so when he would see Jesus come, he would just be so excited. Yet when, when Jesus came to be baptized by him, we're, we we see a, a picture of how humble John was about uh, baptizing Jesus. In the third chapter of Matthew's gospel in the 14th verse, uh, we'll see where, where John tried to prevent it. He didn't want uh, to baptize Jesus. The reason why he didn't want to do it was because he didn't believe that he was worthy to baptize Jesus. John knew who Jesus was. He knew that Jesus was the only begotten son of God. Now, again, going all the way back to our winter quarter of Sunday school lessons, we know that both through through 
through Mary and Elizabeth that that John and Jesus there was a a a family connection there. Okay, uh, Mary was the cousin of Elizabeth. Both of them were cousins, so there was a connection there. Uh, now whether they grew up together or not, Scripture doesn't really uh, tell us that. Okay, um, but John the Baptist knew who Jesus was because uh, we'll see in Scripture it was a sign was shown to him through uh, through the Holy Spirit coming upon uh, Jesus Christ. But again, John was excited to to see Jesus coming, but he was humble when it came to to baptizing Jesus. Again, something that's not really pointed out. Uh, well, it is. It's it's pointed out. It's mentioned to us there in the tenth verse. But something that that is often talked about is the type of baptism that Jesus had, because you know there is a baptism that people will pour water on the top of head of of others, and then there's baptism. Uh, baptism is actually dipping the body in the water. It is water immersion. Uh, when you look up the word uh, of what ba- to baptize, when you look up what that means, okay, it is about immersion. Jesus was immersed into the water. Okay, we we can take that again from, uh, we'll see it there in the 10th verse. We can also see the type of baptism uh, that Jesus had in the third chapter of Matthew's gospel and in the 16th uh, verse as well. It also confirms uh, what we see here in the 10th verse. In the 10th verse, we're told that Jesus immediately came up out of the water. Okay, so he he was dipped in the water. Now, some can read that differently. Some can say, oh, well, Jesus may be in reference of Jesus walking out of the water. But I don't believe that to have been the case, because in two places in Scripture, uh, it just speaks of Jesus immediately coming up out of the water. It doesn't speak about Jesus walking out of the water. So the type of baptism, because there is, for whatever reason, argument over this, there is controversy about this as well. I believe scripture confirms to us that Jesus was immersed in the water and then he came straight. He came immediately upward out of uh, the water. Okay. Uh, The 10th verse there says, and immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him uh, like a dove. Jesus was immersed in water. Okay. Uh, And he came up out of the water. Uh, as he was baptized. And again, we're told there that the spirit descended upon him like a dove. And and again, we're told there in the 11th verse that a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Something that I want to point out there about the 10th and uh, the 11th verse is that we actually see the Godhead present there at the baptism of Jesus, which marks for us how significant and how special the baptism of Jesus was that God, the father is present there. Okay. The father's voice is the one that comes down from heaven. We know it's the father's voice that comes down from heaven because the voice says you are my beloved son. So it has to be, of course, the father that is speaking there. The son of course is present there because the son, Jesus was being baptized. And again, the son, we know, uh, is God in the flesh. All right. Uh, and then we see there in the 10th verse where the Holy Spirit is present as well. So we have the Godhead there. 
we're told that the Holy Spirit descended upon him, the him being Jesus, descended upon him like a dove. And so it was upon Jesus there. So we have the Godhead here. We have the Father, we have the Son, we have the Holy Spirit present here at the baptism of Jesus, which again, I believe would show us how special the baptism of Jesus, how special it was. Now, someone may wonder, someone may question from the from the ninth through the 11th verse there, why was Jesus baptized? Some may wonder, why did Jesus need to be baptized? Now, let's speak on that for a moment. Jesus, he did not need to be baptized, not in the sense that, that we go through baptism, right? So why are we baptized? Let's, let's think about that for a moment. Okay. So that again, we can understand the fuller picture of the baptism of Jesus. Why are we baptized? Some people believe that baptism means that they become a believer. And I would tell you today, as I have said for a very long time, being baptized does not mean that you are saved. It does not mean that you are suddenly a believer. In fact, I would tell you that the one who genuinely believes is the one who is saved before they ever step foot in the water. You see, faith, it takes place in the heart. It doesn't take place in the water when you are baptized. We confess with our hearts, our faith, right? So that confession, I want you to understand, it takes place before you even go and join the church. Because again, there are some people who believe that once you go up and you sit at the chair, okay, when the doors of the church are open, there are some who believe that that's the point that marks when you are saved, when you believe. No, that's not the point. The point when, when you confess with your heart, that is the point in time when you are saved. You know, I was, and I, and I say this all the time, okay? And I don't know if I've said this in recording, but I definitely say this at church. People know my story at church. I was baptized when I was eight years old. But at eight years old, I didn't really know what I was getting into. Now, I would tell you at eight years old that I confessed with my heart. I believed in Jesus. I believed in Jesus for a very long time. OK, um, I, I loved going to church when I was a child. That's all I knew when I was a child. When I was in kindergarten and the kindergarten teacher. Uh, would ask us to to draw something. I would always be drawing churches. So I was always in church. I was always fascinated with church. Uh, I, I knew the name of Jesus. And I would tell you that, that I love Jesus at a, a very early age in my life. But it wasn't until I was graduating. It wasn't until I graduated from high school that my faith really and truly kicked in. I believe that that was when my heart truly began to to confess my faith, even though I was baptized when I was eight years old. And I think that there are many others who who were baptized when they were young, when they were children, who 
today would share the same story with all of you who may be listening and who may be learning for the first time, who, who may not be of faith just yet. Okay. Um, we are baptized not because baptism makes us or makes us a believer or we become a believer by being baptized. Our baptism, it stands as an outward sign of our faith to the world. It is our outward sign to identify ourselves to the world that we belong to the Lord, that we are his, that we are his children. That is what baptism is. It is an outward profession of what lies within our heart. Now, there are many people I would tell you today who have been baptized, who have not confessed in their hearts, their faith in the Lord. And so their baptism, it was moot. It didn't mean anything. It didn't, it didn't serve anything. So your, your baptism, it's not significant unless you have confessed in your hearts and you believe in your heart in Jesus Christ. That baptism, it stands as an, again, an outward sign. It stands as ourselves identifying ourselves to the world as a child of God. Now, Jesus, he did not need to be baptized for that same purpose, right? Because Jesus, we know again, came down from eternity. He is the only begotten son of God. Jesus, again, we are of the faith that believes in the divine truth that Jesus is God in the flesh. So he did not need to be baptized for the same reasons. Again, our baptism stands in our, as an outward sign that our sins have been washed away. Even though the washing away of our sins takes place within us, it takes place within our soul through uh, the Holy Spirit's work within us, right? Jesus, he knew no sin, so he did not need to be washed clean of sins, right? Again, Jesus did not need to be baptized as an outward sign to the world of his sins being washed away. So again, the question is, well, why did Jesus, why was he baptized? If we look at the third chapter of Matthew's gospel and we look at the 14th verse, Jesus, he actually gives an answer to John. Again, John was trying to prevent uh, Jesus's baptism. He he didn't want to baptize Jesus because he didn't believe he was worthy to baptize Jesus. But when we see John speak, when we see Jesus speak to John there in the 14th verse of the third, third chapter of Matthew's gospel, we'll see Jesus say to John, permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus needed to fulfill all righteousness. Okay, so someone may ask, well, what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus needed to fulfill all righteousness? Well, what we learned in our Sunday school lessons last quarter is that we have a great high priest who sympathizes with us. He's compassionate towards us. In other words, he understands all that we go through. He He's able to understand all that we go through because again, he lived in our world. He lived in the flesh. Okay. He underwent temptation and he did not sin. That is what scripture uh, says to us. Jesus, he needed to identify himself with us. 
in order for him to be compassionate towards us, in order for him to sympathize with us, he needed to identify himself with us. We are baptized again as our outward profession of our faith. Now, is baptism required of us? It's not a requirement of us. It's not required for you to be baptized in order uh, to be saved. But again, we are baptized as that outward sign, our outward profession of faith. Jesus, he was baptized to identify himself with mankind because that's something that we do. We are baptized. Okay. Uh, he, he wasn't necessarily setting an example for us, right? We, 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 we are baptized essentially to identify ourselves with him. We, we baptize, we, we are baptized because Jesus was baptized. So we want to identify ourselves with him. We go down because Jesus went down Jesus and not, not because he went down into the water, but, but, but because he died for us. And then we come up out of that water as, as a sign of our resurrection, right? Again, it's an our profession of our faith. We go down in the water essentially as our old selves and we come up out of our, the water, uh, you know, again, uh, as a sign of our washing away of our sins and we come out of the water as that, that new being. But again, all of that is taking place within our soul. All of the, the baptism, our baptism essentially is an outward sign. Jesus, he was baptized to identify himself with us, with mankind. Because again, that's something that we do ourselves. Jesus, he was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Okay. That is why he was baptized. He was not baptized because he was a sinner. He was not a sinner. Okay. He was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Now, when I look at the 12th and when I look at the 13th verse, I'm going to hold those two verses, okay? Um, because those two verses, uh, even though we don't read those two verses in our Sunday school lesson next week, those two verses, they comprise our Sunday school lesson next week. So we'll touch on the 12th, the, what's said in the 12th and the 13th verse. We'll touch on what's said in those verses in our Sunday school lesson next week. So we're going to stop our Sunday school lesson for today. We're going to stop it right there with the baptism of Jesus, okay? So what did we learn here in our Sunday school lesson this week? We learned again uh, that John, he preached a message of repentance. It's the same message that is preached to the world today. Uh, we learned that again, uh, he preached away from Jerusalem. He preached in the wilderness of Judea and that many came to him, not because he was fancy or because he was uh, a popular person. He was indeed popular. But they came to John the Baptist to hear the word. They came to him to repent. They came to him confessing their sins. They came to John the Baptist uh, to be baptized. They wanted to turn away from their wickedness. We learned that Jesus was again baptized by John uh, for the purpose of identifying himself with mankind to fulfill all righteousness. All right. 
So that is our Sunday school lesson this week. I hope that you enjoyed this lesson and I hope that you'll share this lesson with someone somewhere. And I hope that you'll come back for our Sunday school lesson next week as well. Let us again continue about in grace and in love. That is our calling as a child of God to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And again, let us be prayerful. You never know what anyone is going through. So let us be prayerful for not those, not just those that we know, but for all of those that we do not know. Let us be prayerful for all people as well. Until that, until next week again, I will continue to keep all of you lifted up in my prayers. And I pray that the Lord continues to keep and to bless all of you.